today on Ag News Daily. And so many consumers today are removed far enough that they don't understand that anymore. They don't understand how antibiotics can be one tool to take care of cattle. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Today is June 2nd. My name is Delaney Howell, and I am one of the hosts for the Ag News Daily Podcast, along with my co-host, Mike Pearson. Howdy, Delaney. Are you warm today? I am so warm. I have been outside most of the day. Um, I am part of the Young Cattlemen's Leadership Program, which is sponsored by the Iowa Cattlemen's Association. And we have been at Bill Kowser's feedlot all morning. Fantastic. How was Mr. Kowser? He actually wasn't there. Oh, well, for those listeners who are recent uh, subscribers, Bill Kowser was on our podcast, what do you think, Blaine, two or three weeks ago? No, it was in March. It was in March. Was it really? Yeah, it was at the Cattlemen's at the Capitol event, and that was in end of March. Oh, my gosh. That is hard to believe. Time is flying <laughs> I know. by. I know. And today, for those of you listeners, uh, I guess around the country or around the world, we are, of course, broadcasting from Iowa. And I looked at my temperature gauge. What do you call that? Thermometer. And it was it was 89 degrees here just a couple minutes Ugh. ago. So it is toasty, but at least there's a little breeze. There's not a lot of breeze, though. Well, there was a little bit more this morning. I burned a uh, a brush pile of old fences and trees oh. and stuff, and it was there was enough of a breeze this morning. It uh, yeah, I probably should have waited a little bit, but oh well. Now it's good. Gone. Good. Yeah. So Delaney, what do we have going on today? Well, today has been, it seems like a slow news day, don't you think, Mike? You know, I, I think it has. I think everybody's just, you know, kind of checked out for the summer, I suppose. What do you have on a slow news day? Um, yeah, not a lot, honestly. I think really headline news right now is that President Trump announced yesterday that he was officially pulling out from the Paris Climate Agreement which was supposed to be a worldwide global warming pact, I guess you could call it. Yeah. Um, I think 195 nations signed the the statement or the agreement. And so now it's kind of a big deal that the U.S. isn't part of it. But, you know, President Trump has said that he thought it was unfair conditions for the U.S. to join. Secretary Pruitt is excited that he didn't sign it. A couple other people in the White House were urging him not to sign it. But a lot of people were kind of angry or upset that he didn't sign it, including his daughter, Ivanka. Yeah, you know, I think if you have been on the Internet at all today, you have just been inundated with the uh -huh. uh, Paris Agreement news. And, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, it's an agreement. And I was reading up on it yesterday or the day before while this discussion was going on. And basically the way it's written is countries that are in it, there's no mechanism for enforcement. So whether you're right. in it or not, you can still do whatever you want with your emissions limits. And so, you know, it's... It's one of those things that folks can blow a lot of hot air getting fired up about. And of course, mm -hmm. if you like Trump, you love this move. If you don't like Trump, you don't love this move. And it gets gets everybody back into their respective corners, I suppose. Well, this was one of his um, campaign platforms or statements, too, that he didn't support the agreement. So it's nothing new. Right, right. And so, you know, that's... Uh, 
his line is, hey, I'm following through on what I said I was going to do. Right. This is what America elected me to do. And, yep. uh, you know, he did it. So it's done. And I'm sure we'll hear a lot more bloviating about it from the uh, commentators mm-hmm. and whatnot as this goes forward. But at the end of the day, probably doesn't change a whole lot at the bottom end for uh, for the little people like us, Delaney. Right. It really doesn't. Well, you know, we've uh, focused quite a bit on what's going on down in Brazil, and uh, we reported earlier this week that Josely Batista had fled the country. Wesley is still in Brazil. The two brothers who own JNF Investimentos, which owns JBS, and uh, yesterday a Brazilian court issued an injunction to freeze 800 million reals, so basically 246 million dollars in bank accounts belonging to Josely Batista, the one who has fled. And uh, they're stating that these frozen funds may be used to repay allegedly ill-gotten gains in the foreign currency market. And uh, yeah, it's one of those things that that. We haven't heard much about foreign currency trading on these Batistas, so it sounds like there's going to be another shoe to drop here as we get into this next week. All right, that's something to be watching for then. Yeah, whether or not it'll have any effect on JBS, the company, or if it's just going mm-hmm. to have an effect on Josley, you know, that remains to be seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. it's interesting. I have a friend um, that's part of the YCLP group. And she worked for JBS Two Rivers out in Yuma, Colorado, and I was just picking her brain about it. And she said, you know, really, the people here in the U.S. have nothing to do with it. She said she felt bad for some of her previous coworkers because they're taking a bad rap for it. But really, it's not an issue that sounds like, at least, something that has been affected or been done illegally in the U.S. It's all been down in Brazil and South America. Right. Yep. JBS... U.S. is a separate company under the umbrella of right. JBSSA, right. and there are no allegations are, are surrounding any wrongdoing at JBS U.S. That's true. Yeah, but it's just, I mean, well, I guess to at our conference today, we were talking a lot about consumer viewpoints and perceptions, and consumers don't necessarily understand that JBS in the U.S. is a different entity than JBS from Brazil. And so, you know, it really just goes to show that consumers don't really know what's going on. They probably don't understand how the two are differentiated. And I guess we've, we've been pretty lucky that it hasn't really affected the beef markets here in the U.S. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, that differentiation, consumers being unable to tell the difference, you know, that's one of the downsides when you get large-scale consolidation in an industry, mm-hmm. and you That's have companies true. that own other companies that own other companies, mm-hmm. and it gets tough for average Joe and Jane non not in the market to be able to differentiate, hey, gosh, these are these are different groups. So that's one of those risks that you take on when you uh, consolidate any industry, and here we're seeing it play out in beef. That is true. In other beef news, Oklahoma is... Schedule, has scheduled a hearing to start their own beef checkoff program, and then they would be the 15th state in the U.S. to have a beef checkoff program. And I didn't realize that there were not many states that had a beef checkoff program. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. You know, each state, there's the national, which everybody pays mm-hmm. into when you sell livestock. But then, yeah, it's up to the states as to whether or not they want to establish one on their own. Yeah, and uh, I think it's a dollar a head, is that right, to pay in for the state level? Well, for the national level. No, I think it's state, too. Is that what they're looking at adding in Oklahoma? Yes. Okay, gotcha. 
So they've scheduled a hearing for Wednesday, June 14th to consider a petition for a referendum of all Oklahoma cattle owners and producers to consider a statewide beef checkoff fund. That's right. So if you're in Oklahoma and you do produce cattle and you have an opinion, one way or the other, be sure to get out there and vote when they do schedule that referendum. Because I think in Iowa, if I remember right, it was one day you could vote. You could Mm -hmm. early vote, but then the actual, like, go to the extension office and vote, I believe it was only one day. That's not a lot of time. No, it's not. You know, it's like an election. Yeah. And uh, speaking of elections, one of the issues that a lot of Republicans ran on for their election in 2016 was the issue of the Dodd-Frank Wall Street Reform Act, which was passed, you know, in the the height of the financial crisis and everybody was scared to death of banks. And uh, next week, the House of Representatives will vote on a big bill to scale back a lot of Dodd-Frank. Um, it's called the Choice Act. Of course, that stands for something stupid. Who knows what? Um, <laughs> let me see. It's the, yeah, they're calling it the Choice Act. I was, I thought I saw the name of it somewhere, but the acronym. Yeah, the acronym is Choice. Um, basically, they're trying to scale it back. Paul Ryan said, "Quote: This is a jobs bill for Main Street that would rein in the overreach of Dodd Frank that has allowed big banks to get bigger while small businesses have been able to get the loans they need to succeed." And uh, you know, this is a big issue. I worked with a lot of um, community banks, and you know, the compliance costs of regulation under Dodd Frank certainly did climb, and it's harder for a small bank to be able to meet those costs than it is for a big bank that already has, you know, attorneys and regulatory experts on staff. So we'll Mm -hmm. see what happens. Of course, this is just coming out of the House. Then, of course, it'll go to the Senate. So we'll see how it all, all, you know, plays out. All right. Well, the only other little pieces of news I have are just some updates. Tonight is the final episode of the farm her tv show and you can catch that on rfd tv i think they maybe also have that online and then today is national donut day and it's also national hashtag farmers think dominoes day which we mentioned yesterday on the podcast so make sure and go out and have a donut and order some dominoes pizza and hashtag that on twitter I was looking at it earlier. It looks like a lot of people are supporting the movement, so that's nice to see. Yeah, very cool. I uh, did not have a donut this morning, but I did have a slice of Casey's pizza. So not Domino's, okay, good. but well... at least pizza. And it had uh, it had various varieties of pork on it, So and cheese, of course. So let's see. Should we talk about the markets, Delaney? Yes, let's talk about the markets. All right, let's do a little market news first. There was an article yesterday from Reuters that uh, China's soybean importers are already pushing to postpone or cancel cargoes mainly ordered from Brazil because the crush margins in China, the the spread between buying the soybean and then selling the oil and meal has collapsed. And uh, so now they're processing at negative margins. So they really want to, to step off on their purchases. Um, as of so far, they're really just delaying shipments. There haven't been too many large cancellations, uh, coming out of Brazil, but that was certainly, I suppose, beneficial for the U S today. Let's start in the corn market. July corn today climbed two and a quarter cents to finish at three seventy two and three quarters. December corn up a penny and three quarters to finish at three ninety one even. 
in soybeans. We shoved away a little bit from that $9 mark as July beans climbed nine cents to finish at 921 and a quarter. November beans up seven and three quarters to close at 925 and a half. In Chicago wheat, the July contract rose half a cent, finished at 429 and a half. The December contract dropped a penny, closed at 465 even. Now, into the livestock markets. We had a lot of excitement yesterday. We got to say limit up several times yesterday in the markets. Today, that strength carried through, but it wasn't nearly as strong. Live cattle at one point were up $4 on the expanded limit, but they closed today up $3.40, finishing at $130.82.5. The August contract was up $1.35, finishing the day at $126 and a nickel. In feeder cattle, the August contract up a dollar sixty-five, closed at one fifty-eight seventy-two and a half. The September contract up a dollar fifty, closed at one fifty eighty-two and a half. In lean hogs, that weakness yesterday was reversed in the nearby, with uh, June lean hogs climbing thirty cents to finish at eighty-one twenty-two and a half. July lean hogs dropped fifteen cents, closed at eighty-one ninety-seven and a half. A quick look at the milk market basically gave back all of yesterday's gains in the June contract, dropped fourteen cents to finish the week at 16.52. Now, Delaney, we have you put together an interview for today, correct? I did. I actually just interviewed one of the guest speakers from the YCLP conference. Her name is Joan Ruskamp. She is from Dodge, Nebraska. She's not a farmer girl by trade. She actually grew up in the city and met her farmer or met her husband, who was a farmer, as she was working at a vet clinic, and she's done a lot of panel speaking. Uh, she does a lot with ag advocacy, so I kind of just pick her brain about that. And she's also a volunteer for Common Ground in Nebraska, which is a women's volunteer group to promote and advocate for agriculture. So let's just turn it over to my interview with Joan. I am joined now by Joan Ruskam, and she is from Dodge, Nebraska. Joan, you didn't grow up on a farm, did you? No, I didn't. I grew up in Grand Island, which is a central part of the state. And with detasseling money, I bought a horse, um, led me to school to become an have an associate's degree in vet medicine, which then led me to meeting a, a farmer and a cattle feeder from northeast Nebraska, and that's where I've been the last 35 years. And you live on a farm, you raise mm -hmm. crops, you have five children, but none of them are going back to agriculture. No, they've all picked careers uh, that suited their personality types, and that's what we encouraged when they were growing up. And so four of the five are now married, and we have three grandchildren. But right now, yes, it's Steve and I, and we have one full-time and one part-time employee. And um, so we grow corn, soybeans, alfalfa, and then we have a feedlot where we finish cattle. What has it been like? growing in this industry, coming from not knowing agriculture at all and then now being so involved in the industry? I think what I've really grown in is understanding the what and why behind what, what farmers do. So why do we do it and how do we do it? And so many consumers today are removed far enough that they don't understand that anymore. They don't understand how antibiotics can be one tool to take care of cattle. There are a variety of other ways that we make sure that they're getting the best care they can in the feedlot, um, and that's just one tool. It's not a crutch. And, and that in the, in the farming sector, in, on our farm, we, nothing goes to waste. We're utilizing every resource we can to do the best job we can of producing food for people. 
So you do a lot of other things outside of farming. Do you want to tell our listeners some of those other things that you're interested in or or that you volunteer doing? Sure. One of the groups I am volunteering with is Common Ground. Common Ground is a national movement of farm women. We have conversations with moms about how food is grown. We do that via social media, one-on-one conversations, blogging, tours, a variety of methods. They're in about 13 states also, and so Iowa has some common ground volunteers. Nebraska, we have almost 20, so we have a a really large group. We can always use more volunteers. And, And you're only called as a volunteer to share your story, you know, what you're doing on your farm, I don't have to know about poultry. I know about feedlot cattle and the, and the crops that we grow. And so that's my story. That's what I'm called to share. And so that movement is great. I'm also serving on a cattleman's beef board right now. And so I also enjoy sharing the beef message and the nutritional benefits of beef and all the great things we're doing with those producer dollars to do the research and the promotion and education that keep beef demand high. Is Common Ground a program sponsored by checkoff programs, or how does that program move forward? In Common Ground, we are volunteers, but our mileage, um, any expenses we might incur, say if we traveled somewhere we had to stay overnight, a hotel um, bill, those are reimbursed through corn and soybean checkoff dollars. So it's really wonderful that, that farmers support one another by putting advocates out there, like those of us in Common Ground, to go out and talk to consumers about how food is grown and raised and listen to their concerns and help them realize how hard we're working to provide the, the best quality food we can for them and their families and that we eat the same food we produce. We're, we're in those grocery stores right alongside them buying that food. And you also serve as a public speaker or panelist? I do. <laughs> um, I, I've been in a variety of, of opportunities to, to advocate really for agriculture and really Every farmer is an advocate waiting. If they're not actually doing it, they're, they're doing it by their silence as well. They're not sharing their story. And so we, what we need are more advocates for every farmer to be willing to share the story of their farm. It's, it's only your farm that you need to share the story about and what you're doing, why you're doing it, and, and how beneficial it is to the land and the people and ultimately the people that we're feeding. What's the funniest story or question that you've been asked or told to people that aren't involved in agriculture? The one that comes to mind right now, because the College World Series will be coming around again in Omaha, last year I was on a flight and the gentleman sitting next to me, he was in the middle seat, and he was talking about, he was from Miami, he was going to Omaha to watch the Miami game, and he was going on and on about his condo and the view he had and city life, and I listened and and I said, I was from Nebraska, and uh, family farm, have cattle, and he just kind of, okay. And then uh, he said, hey, do you want to see some pictures of my farm? And I said, sure, or pictures of his condo. Mm-hmm. And I said, sure, I'd love to. And so he got his phone out, and he was showing me, and they're beautiful pictures. And I said, well, would you like to see some pictures of my farm? And he's like, oh, okay. So I have a, I have a folder on my phone with just photos of my farm, which I encourage everyone to have. And so I pulled up, the first picture had grain bins and, and field and, and a pen of cattle. And he about jumped out of his seat and you know, exclaimed, you've got a real farm. <laughs> and uh, woke the lady next to him up and scared people around us because he was so excited. Well, then he started asking me questions and his interest peaked immensely because he saw a picture 
of what he perceived to be a real farm. I don't know what a fake farm is, but, mm-hmm. but it was a real farm. And so the rest of the flight, it was all about agriculture and farming and what we're doing and how we're doing it. And so I left him my card. He's welcome to come visit us if he comes back this year, if Miami makes it. Uh, I told him he's welcome to come out and have a tour. But those are the connections we can make every day, either with our family, our, our kids might have college friends. Um, gathering together for meals. Fourth uh, of July, there will be people together for picnics or family reunions. Every family reunion, they're going to find people that are, are doubting what we're doing and why we're doing it and if it's really right in their eyes. And so having the ability to connect with the values we have, that, that we all strive to do what's best for the environment we're in and for our families. Because we have families in common. We're living beings like they are, and we have parents and grandchildren and brothers and sisters, and so um, we all want to thrive. And so I think it's important that farmers communicate that, that we're here not for ourselves. We're here uh, for you as a community to help you thrive as well. What advice do you have for farmers or, or ranchers? I, I hear a lot of times like, oh, my opinion doesn't matter, or what I'm going to say doesn't really matter to a consumer. How do you advise them to get past that or what tools can they use your story matters and that's what people want to hear they want to hear the story and just looking at your own personal life might say well my life's pretty boring what I do wouldn't be interesting to anybody but you would be so surprised just sharing what you're doing just sharing the fact that you have a family farm always associating that family and farm go together we're people out here people making decisions and people um, trying to help not only feed our families, but others. We have a beautiful story and each farm is unique. And so my farm is different from everyone else's and my story is different. We need to embrace the story we have and be willing to share that. So when farmers are ready to advocate, how can they be prepared or what resources are there available to farmers? There are a lot of farm organizations that have really qualified, trained staff that will help us in communicating. Whether you're on Facebook, maybe you want to have a business page on Facebook where you can advocate for your farm and share your story. Maybe you want to go on Twitter and share things about your farm. Maybe you're going to be at a grocery store meeting consumers or asked to be on a panel. There are people, uh, and I know a variety of them through, through beef and corn and soybean, they're there. So if you contact uh, your, either your county or state Um, commodity organizations contact leadership in those positions and say hey I'd like to know more about advocating in the beef side we have the masters of beef program on top of the class Farm Bureau has a great leadership program a lot of states have ag leadership programs to go through as well and so there's people there that will help us if we reach out to them Uh, okay so final question for you Joan if our listeners want to connect with you and find out more about common ground or just your story how can they find you I am on Facebook Joan Ruskamp, R-U-S-K-A-M-P, and I'm on Twitter at Joan Ruskamp. I have a blog. It is called dustinmycoffee.blogspot.com. So those are ways that you can find me. Common Ground is findourcommonground.com. Iowa Common Ground will have Iowa Common Ground. Uh, I'm in Nebraska, so it's Nebraska Common Ground. At Common Ground Now is their Twitter, and so our, our Twitter. And so... You can you can find us in a variety of ways. Social media is the easiest always. Um, or you can come visit me in Nebraska. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. 
again. That was Joan Ruskamp, and she uh, was the speaker today for the YCLP Cattlemen's Group. But if you are interested in connecting with Joan, you can find her on social media, or if you want more tips on ag advocacy, feel free to reach out to Joan. She seems like a really great resource. But I was not the only one to have an interview with people in the ag industry. Mike also had the chance to talk to a few folks today. All right, folks, we are going to, with our friends from the National Association of Farm Broadcasters, take a quick look. We're going to talk to Cindy Cunningham. She is the uh, Pork Checkoff Vice President of International Marketing. Of course, the World Pork Expo is next week from the 7th through the 9th. Ag News Daily will be there. We'd love to see all of you. It is a great opportunity for pork producers to learn about the latest products, newest technology, you name it. Plus, this is why we're going. It's a great way to network with people. One of the places that we really would encourage pork producers who are at World Pork Expo to visit is the Pork Checkoff Hospitality Tent. We'll be right there on Grand Avenue with the rest of the hospitality tents. We start in the Pork Checkoff Hospitality Tent each morning serving breakfast. On Wednesday, we'll be serving breakfast casserole with sausage. On Thursday, we'll start serving uh, bacon pancakes, and then on Friday we'll have burritos with sausage and bacon for breakfast. And then at lunchtime on Wednesday and Thursday, we would invite you to come back and to enjoy a lunch on Wednesday of barbecued pulled pork mac and cheese. On Thursday, the lunch will be pulled pork tostados. And also during that time, you'll be able to hear a weather outlook from Elwyn Taylor at Iowa State University and a market outlook from Steve Meyer of EMI Analytics. Another one of the fun things happening in the Pork Checkoff Hospitality Tent is the Passport to Pork. There's going to be pork variety meats, which are extremely important to U.S. pork exports, and uh, they're going to be there to be sampled. These are products that we export, pork products that we export, that may not be used here in the U.S., but that are used in other parts of the world. And this will be a fun experience to to sample these. The samplings will include tongue flavored with Asian spices, Korean-style skirt steak, Cuban-style jowl bacon, and pinwheel flavored with Peruvian spices. We'll also have a little dessert for you, too, some chocolate chip cookie bacon s'mores. It's a great time to also come and meet the National Pork Board and pork producers from around the world. So just a reminder, the World Pork Expo begins on Wednesday right in Des Moines at the Iowa State Fairgrounds. Like I said yesterday, I'm really just excited about meeting all the people and enjoying some good pork. That's right. There at the hospitality tent, you know, she mentioned you can sample pork tongue. You can, uh, I forget all the various uh, delicacies, but yes, yeah, stuff from all around the world. You get a chance to try there in the hospitality tent. It should be uh, interesting, you know, if nothing else. we Yeah, we should do like a Facebook Live or... We'll have to come up with some ideas. Yeah, we will. We'll put our thinking caps on. Yeah. And, uh, folks, we do encourage all of you to check out our website at uh, agnewsdaily.com and be sure to follow us on Facebook or on Twitter. Just search for Ag News Daily. We will pop up. We want to be a resource for those of you as you are getting out cutting hay. You're probably spraying. I passed a guy today out on the... Uh, out on his field, it's a big old, I don't know, 240-acre field, and he was in an open station, looked like a 656 or something similar, international, with like a four or maybe a six-row sprayer, just running mm-hmm. back and forth. And I thought, boy, it's 90 degrees out. That is that is not... Uh, it's warm. Yeah, that's not where I yeah. want to be today. 
Uh, my boyfriend Lane was out spraying today, and he has one of those little backpack sprayers, so that doesn't really sound very fun to me either. No, it does not. <laughs> no, it does not. Well, all of that being said, I suppose we want to hope everybody has a fantastic weekend. And Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.